Welcome, everyone. This is Nick Craig. This is another Leading from Purpose podcast. I am so excited that I have Martin Van Beek with me today. Martin and I have known each other for a long time. He is currently head of HR at ING Bank in Amsterdam, responsible for Holland, Belgium, and Luxembourg. And if we think about a 45,000-person organization, a large percentage of those people work in those countries. It's a very, very big role within ING. So, Martin, thank you for joining me today. Happy to be here, Nick. It's been a long it's, time. It's been. So what is this we see in the background? What is this? Ah, okay. So I'm, you know, we, we all stay at home. So uh, I'm from my home, which is in the middle of The Hague. Uh, and this is the, the Peace Palace. So uh, it looks like a castle or a church, but it's actually the Peace Palace. And what I'm in, in my kitchen, uh, look out of the window, that's exactly the view which I have. And if wow. you really look a little bit behind my back, where you see the little white dots there, that's a box for, for the owl. There is an owl in the garden, which breeds there. Oh, wow. That's so cool. So that's, uh, what nice is a Peace Palace? No, most of us don't have peace palaces that we look at through our kitchen window. What the is peace the peace palace? Is, is the, the peace palace of the United Nations. Yeah? So the United Nations now has the 75th anniversary. And this is the building where all the, the court cases, the big tribunals are, are conducted. So when people say this is the UN court in The Hague, it is that building. whatever uh, dictator that they finally got, and that's where it all happens. Exactly, exactly. Okay, well, that's beautiful. So today we want to have a conversation with you, and we're going to do this in two parts. The first part is going to be about you and your purpose, and the second part is we really want to talk about you've been an enormous advocate of bringing purpose into the corporate world, and we really want to talk about why, okay? But first of all, so how how are you wording your purpose these days, my friend? Yeah, it's a good question. I think my, my the wording is is evolving. So I have to be honest. There are, there are a couple of versions, but they all come come together in the same way. And I think that the version I I first developed. I think that's when we worked together in in, in Gothenburg when I when I lived there, uh, is being the good Machiavelli, creating beauty and impact. I always think you know that's the basis of the purpose. And I have a couple of different wordings around it. And the other one is being the conservator, creating from little pieces something more beautiful and impact by doing that. But it all, all has to do with, I like to connect things, mm. bring things together, also get bullshit out, uh, but really connecting the dots and then the dots should create something which is nicer, more beautiful than uh, the individual parts. And, and, that's what Machiavelli did in a way. Only Machiavelli has a negative sense of being too politic, etc. Yep. That's why I sometimes use the word of the conservator, because I also love art. You know, <laughs> As you can see, based on what the view is that we're looking at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what it is with art is if you, in a museum, how you put the pieces together, and if there is a new show, how you put those, how you select what you show, that creates a new story that creates a new story, which is much more beautiful and give a different view on the reality than the individual pieces. So so both versions work for me. Yeah, so I think for anybody listening, you know, people say, well, wait a minute, how can you have two versions? Well, the reality is, is it's one purpose, but it's two different ways of 
accessing it, two different sets of words, but it's still always the same purpose. It's, it's like right. it's one movie, and you can have a different title for when you release it in the U.S. versus in Amsterdam, but it's still the same movie, right? But here's the thing. Was there some times when you were a kid where this purpose popped up and you sort of felt that that's what was showing up? How did we come to the clarity that this is what your purpose is? I think it is because, you know, I'm, I'm a bit introvert as a person, but I'm very sociable. So I like to, to understand what people are doing, what drives them and bring things together. Mm-hmm. And I already did it when I was a little boy at, at school. So I had a lot of roles at school at scouting where I always tried to connect people which seemed to do really different things or had different capabilities or interests. But bringing them together created something really great. Yeah, that could be the, you know, the musical at the end of the year at school at high school. Um, that will be other things with with the Boy Scouts. It will be different things, but it has been a kind of a, you know, it has something which, you know, always has been there. And you know, even in these days in COVID, where we all sitting from at home, restaurants are closed. And I think what you and I both enjoy is, is good food and a glass of wine. That's great. And so one of the things I know about you is one of the places that you probably are deeply living your purpose is, uh, is it Christmas Day or Christmas Eve? Well, Christmas Day. So um, I always invite the, the, the full family for dinner. And then the full family for us is, is my parents and the parents of my wife, uh, my sister, my uncle and the kids. And I do... Between 11 and 13 courses, it's always prepared and sometimes it is one o'clock at night and we finish with 12 because everybody's too tired. But I really enjoy that. And I, I cook together with my mother. Uh, to be very honest, she's also the only one that day and the day before when we do the preparations who's allowed in the kitchen. Oh, wow. Uh, but for me, it's a moment, you know, to give back to the people I love and then the family, you know, that they raised me and give me a lot of, of insights during my childhood and, and even today. Uh, and, and I enjoy cooking and I cook a lot of, you know, wild animals. So we have haze, we have wild boar, we have pheasants, traditional Christmas dinner. My girlfriend is vegetarian, so she gets a completely 11 to 13 different courses. But I really enjoy that, having the whole family around the table. You, you, you probably have another metaphor to think about relative to your purpose based on this. <laughs> I know, I know. No, seriously, know. But you think if we think about this, you know, being the Machiavellian, which is making magical things happen. And in some sense, if you think about cooking and making something magical happen when you're doing all these courses, in some ways, the connection that you have with people. I mean, one of the things that I've heard people say about you is that if anybody can make this crazy thing happen, it's Martin, right? (laughs) These are people who don't believe anybody can do anything, but they always say, well, actually, Martin can pull it off. Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. You know, I, I, I love creativity. That's probably where the art part comes in as well. Maybe you're right. Maybe, you know, in what, what you say, you always have one purpose, but there can be different ways of describing it. And and maybe inviting people to the dinner table could be a, the next version of what I already have. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that for all of us listening, when Martin's cooking these meals, he's living his purpose. And you can tell based on the energy that he has as he's talking about this, right? You know, cooking a meal for somebody and someone eating that meal changes your relationship to them, right? And if somebody's making the meal for you and then serving you, and then that's the person that you're having the conversation with, it changes how you relate to the dialogue, right? 
It's not just a business conversation. But I think that the, my sense of you has always been that that quality extra mile of connection to no matter who it is, no matter what their point of view is, has always been part of your magic. And people, other people who would say, well, wait a minute, why is he talking to such and such? My experience of you has always been, you always see the best in people. And then you speak to that part of them. And then you get the best out of them. And at least that's what my experience has been of sort of seeing you in the system over time. And of course, the Peace Palace is right behind you, so it all makes sense. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so, uh, purpose has become really popular these days. But how do you bring it to the whole employees? How do you bring it to a lot of people? I think has still something that most organizations are just beginning to think about. But Martin's been working on this thing ever since I ever met him in the first place. So, Martin, I'd love for you to talk about why do you believe purpose is important inside of today's big companies? Yeah, and I think, Nick, that probably has to do something with where I come from. So I worked for Unilever and Mönlicher before. And, you know, got in touch with you and, and some other people already, like Pablo, who, who were also in, in, in your show. And those companies were really driven by purpose, by doing good in business and good in the world to create a more beautiful world. I think that is something I learned from being an HR trainee in the years after. Then joining ING... Uh, was involved with developing the leadership program a couple of years ago when, when you and I met again. And ING, for a big part, works agile, where it's very you know driven by the purpose of what we do. The purpose of ING, empowering people, is, is a strong one. And I think that that really, for me, you know got to flame on again and thought, okay, it's very interesting. We, we talk a lot about purpose, but how can you make a big impact? And that's when lots of people talk about it, and that means you have to scale it. It would be awkward when only leaders have a purpose. And so I said, let's have everybody give the opportunity to you know, join what we call the Purpose to Impact program, which we now launched in my part of, of ING. And that's beautiful because you have people from all different jobs, in call centers, in branches, in IT, engineers, in HR, in risk, going to the same experience of two days and then talking with each other what their purpose and how that connects with ING. And that leads to beautiful things. People getting more energy, getting more resilience. Also, people think, well, this is not my job. I'm going to do something else with my life. But, but always for the better good. And I think so what I've seen is that scaling purpose is the next step on only do it for leaders and talking about it at a high level. Anybody who's listening is going, so why why would you put this much energy behind this? It sounds great, but you know, you could argue, well, regulatory compliance is really important in banks, well-being training. So you could, you know, there's a lot of things you could sort of say. So why would you put purpose as a priority? Because you could argue that's a nice to have, but why would you really want to put energy into it? I think all you say is important, but I think purpose assures you people can do that better, get more energy out of it. When they connect on their daily basis, what is my job? What is my craft? What is my craftsmanship? And how does that connect what I'm good at, what I want to achieve in the world? And if you're a risk officer or compliance officer or an engineer, 
is bringing that craftsmanship close to you and, and your purpose to what your daily job is. I think that's the link we're building. That was the link which was missing. And what makes it very relevant for people, because people want to be relevant. People want to make impact. And understanding, you know, what you want to achieve with your life and the job is part of that. It's not your whole life, but it's part of it. Uh, really, really has a big impact. So for me, it was a bit of the basics where a lot of other things could be built around. But, you know, it's interesting is we rolled out a version of this to the top 300 and then we went to a lot of, all the managers. But you were the only one who said, you know, we got to roll this out to everybody else. Why do you, what, what is it do you think that's inside of you that has that be such a strong have to as opposed to a like to or be a good idea to? It's a good question. I, I don't think I'm the only one. I know someone in the UK, which I worked for a while, Mr. Tim Monden, who did something similar. Exactly. Uh, so there are a couple of crazy people around the globe who really, I think, believe in this and drive that and have impact with it. And why I did it is it seems so logic. And I think when we started to pilot it and experiment it, you know, I saw energy. I see, you know, I saw energy around the people we did it. And so we completely, with some guidance from, from your team, delivered this internally. Train the trainers. Those people who train my colleagues, they're brilliant. They get energy from it. They pass the energy to a new generation of people who goes to the purpose. So we create something beautiful. And that gave me energy. So when we were piloted, and that's agile as well, you start something, you see if it works. If it doesn't work, you stop it. If it works, you go on and scale it. And this was so beautiful, we scaled it. So one of the things you've mentioned is Agile a couple of times. You've also mentioned the word craftsmanship, which I don't think most people listening have any idea what that really means. And I know a lot of companies are trying to implement the Agile model. How do you see Agile connecting in with purpose? First of all, I think every organizational way of working could connect with purpose. But I think what we try to do with Agile is to put business and, and IT together, have new ways of working to each other in small teams, less hierarchy, less layers with new kind of ceremonies like stand-ups, QBRs, marketplaces. And purpose, what you want to achieve in the agile world, that's called a purpose as well. So sometimes you have to watch out that you don't mix words. But if you know what your purpose is and in your squad or your tribe, there is a purpose as well, which is the business purpose. And those purposes are aligned, you can fly. How okay. can you align those purposes so you can fly? You can perform better in your job. You can do more than you thought you could do. And then craftsmanship is, is that, you know, I have a deep belief in content and skills. Mm -hmm. So I think generalists have a role in, 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 in business too, but I really believe that we went too much to generalists and you really have to have a craft, have a profession and, and really deeply own that. And I think for a lot of people, if you know what that craft is, and that craft might change a couple of times over your life because jobs change very rapidly, but, but I think your craft will always have a link with your purpose because yeah. it's something where you get energy from, you can do well, etc. Yeah, and I also think that when we look at some of the research, uh, Daniel Pink wrote a beautiful book called Drive, which really talks about what are the three things that you need to be successful in this century? And he said there's three parts, which is a sense of mastery, which I think is uh, what craftsmanship is about, as well as autonomy or choice about how do you do that. And I think that really sort of captures that. But purpose was the third key element to that. You needed all three of them together. 
And I think one of the things that I've noticed is that as ING was rolling out the Agile model, you know, I, I've worked with a lot of banks and what's always amazing is that everybody has vice president on their business card, okay, at a minimum. And so obviously one of the things that people do is like why, why people go work for banks is because they like to have a business card that if at any party they pull it out, people go, oh, wow, that's impressive, right? Now, they may still be a teller, but it says vice president on it, right? And so you guys took all of those away, all those titles, and you gave people very simple titles. And I think one of the benefits that I saw of the work that we've been able to do together is that we all have a purpose and it's the only identity that no one can take away and no one gave us. And in some ways, your purpose, independent of whether you're head of HR or not, is still going to always be your purpose and you'll still be cooking, right? And I think that in some ways, what I've seen that has been one of the benefits of this for ING is giving people clarity as to what is the solid ground they can stand on that doesn't change while everything is changing around them. And ING as a bank has been probably more impacted than some others have. But at the same time, I think the courage it's taken for people to step into the Agile model fully, I think we've been trying to pull these two pieces together. So I've been really impressed as to how this has played out. I guess one question I have for you would be is, my experience of you is that you're an extremely gifted leader, head of HR. Why do you think companies in this time need to be more human? Because in some ways, all of this conversation has been, you know, this has not been what most banking HR executives would have been talking about wanting to do 10 or 15 years ago. And why do you think this human piece is so important right now? Uh, I think in the COVID period, it's even more important. But I think the trend is, is going on for a couple of years. I think corporations got bigger. You know, the scale got bigger. Overall, the wealth for the major for a big part of the world, not for the whole world, really increased. Especially, you know, if you worked in the Western world and you had a job. I think we disconnected a little bit with where, what we truly believed is the right thing to do. And, and if you are disconnected yourself a little bit from it, that's also what, what happens with you as a leader. And, and that's why I think COVID is what I see is people caring again for each other, people reaching out to each other, people doing things they didn't do before. People ask again, how are you doing? And ask that really not from a superficial, but for an in-depth, they really want to understand. And if it's not good with you, they want to, you know, reach out. So I think we just face this in, 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 in history where some parts of the world, et cetera. But I think when, when things go really well and, you know, the last couple of years, let's be honest, economy was doing well, et cetera. Again, not everywhere in the world. I work for refugee on the organization and I see a lot of places in the world where it's not good. And, and that's what we should be concerned about. But think in the Western world, it went good. And then you... You forget a bit what is really important in life. That's my belief. Mm, that's beautiful. I just want to thank you so much for having this chat today. Any final words, anything you want to say to those listening today that we haven't covered? Yeah, well, for those who are interested in, in purpose and still have doubts, what do you want to do with it in your company or whatever? You know, I would say just try it. Just try it. And if it works for you, as it worked for us, go. If it doesn't work, stop. But, you know, don't really make an academic thinking process. Just start doing it and see what happens. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. Well, guys, this is the 
the end of another Leading from Purpose podcast. Martin, I want to thank you for spending time with me today. And I look forward to having you all check in with us on our next podcast. Thank you. Thank you.